What are the most important fantasy football takeaways and reactions from week 16 in the NFL for Saturday and Sunday games? It's time to find out right here and right now as another week of Locked On Fantasy Football begins here with the Roundup Monday. You are Locked On Fantasy, your daily NFL fantasy podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Fantasy Football Podcast. It's another week here. We're here. It's week 17. I'm almost here. Week 16, one more game. The Dolphins and Saints will close things out on Monday night. Then, for many of you, it is the Fantasy Football Championship Week. Uh, we're still playing DFS as well. We get that extra week of week 18, so that's great. Of uh, Extra DFS, and we'll break all that down for you, looking at the matchups and uh, the most critical ones here ahead of Week 17 and the games there, but we have to uh, look back at week 16 and see what was the good, bad, ugly, surprising, uh, big games for some, some microscopic games for other players. So we'll break it out down for you. We'll go back to Saturday's games as well. So we'll cover 14 games on the show. We'll go rapid fire reactions and uh, most important things you need to know from all these games coming out of week 16, going into week 17 injuries and all that as well. Thanks for making Lockdown Fantasy Football your first listen every day. We are free and available to you on all platforms. All right, uh, let's uh, dive in. We've got a lot to cover here. We'll go back to the Browns-Packers game. This was the Christmas Day afternoon game. And uh, Merry Christmas. Hope you had a very good holiday with uh, all your gifts and uh, spending time with family, giving and receiving. So hopefully you had a little time to recharge, but also catch some football here. Now, if you didn't get to watch all the games, that's what we're here for, to uh, tell you what happened here and uh, what didn't happen for you in fantasy football. For the Browns-Packers game, it was pretty easy. Nick Chubb is the centerpiece of what Cleveland is doing now. He's getting the ball in the passing game quite a bit. Now that Kareem Hunt is not available, he had the ankle issue with COVID-19. And uh, Chubb also just smashed in the running game. So they haven't been using Dernis Johnson. They seem like they only use him there as a sub there for Chubb and not really looking at him as a complimented player in the hunt vein. They just pretty much give Chubb more volume. And that's what we've seen. We like it for fantasy football. He's been featured. It was a pretty tough matchup. The Packers have been pretty decent against the run. Doesn't matter. He's going to get everything the Browns have there. They're not really focused too much on the passing game. Baker Mayfield still making a lot of mistakes. Jarvis Landry just coming back. The tight ends are now a big mess here. They do have some guys at tight end. We know that Harrison Bryant came back and scored in this one. So something to see there, but it's all about Nick Chubb here for the Browns. Now the Packers, what a run here for Aaron Rodgers. He's just rolling here in the last several weeks. Devontae Adams, he didn't have the fastest start to the season, a little bit banged up, but now Rodgers and Adams are totally locked in. A couple more touchdowns for Adams more than 100 yards receiving with Marquez valdez scaling out. We thought Al Mazard could do something, and he catches the other touchdown here from Rodgers. Pretty quick work here. Good, more regular volume from Aaron Jones. He didn't get involved scoring, but they're going to their principal guys here as they close in on a number one seed, trusting the guys that Rodgers wants around him. The offensive line still not at 100%. David Bakhtiari, they're hurting, and uh, Billy Turner also is hurting at the tackles. It doesn't matter. The Packers are a machine. They're a lot about Rodgers and Adams. 
Jones has uh, not been as big of late if when he's not scoring, but he's still getting involved. And uh, it's between uh, MVS and Lazard. It's hard to tell from week to week, but when MVS is out of the lineup in a good matchup like this, you figure Lazard will trickle down and get some production with Adams, and that's what happened in this game. All right, let's turn to the Colts-Cardinals. This was the nightcap, and the Colts win this one pretty handily. The Cardinals just look out of sorts in this one, especially in the past game. I don't think it's just DeAndre Hopkins. There's a lot of things going on there. But for the Colts, we thought Michael Pittman would have a good rebound game. He did. Uh, gets to 82 yards receiving here, eight catches. Carson Wentz, a nice rebound as well. So the Cardinals' defense, they used to be intimidating, but now they're kind of wilting. Jonathan Taylor goes over the century mark again rushing. Unfortunately, not the big game you're used to. He didn't score this one. So that was interesting to see him uh, end a streak here while still having another good game here running the ball. So not the monster game you've been uh, getting accustomed to with Jonathan Taylor, but still very solid for him. Pittman, a good rebound after that ejection. We thought the matchup was pretty good for him. And T.Y. Hilton gets on the act with a nice little touchdown catch there from Carson Wentz. So good game by Wentz. They keep the ball moving. They keep things going here. So I, I thought Wentz uh, was in a bit of a slump here before this game, but he gets back on track here, gets Pittman going along with Hilton. And Taylor has another solid game here for the Colts. But they win this game, and they get right a little bit more in the passing game, which we wanted here. Now, Chase Edmonds, uh, James Conner tried to go with the heel injury, a different type of injury than the ankle that uh, caused him to be questionable the week before. But Chase Edmonds had this backfield to himself, and they didn't waste time. They treated Chase Edmonds pretty much as a feature back here, scores on the ground, busy receiving day as well. Zach Ertz, we thought it was a good matchup for him against the Colts. Good volume, eight catches, uh, gets over 50 yards in this one. So really struggle for the other receivers. Christian Kirk really didn't get catches until really late in the game here that uh, really helped him. A.J. Green, they just don't have guys that I think are special to separate here. DeAndre Hopkins has slowed down a little bit. So that's what's happening here is that Kirk and Green, Kirk is a good Nice complimentary receiver, but he's not meant to be a number one. And Green is just a little bit slower right now. These guys are best playing off Hopkins when he gets that attention. So that's why you're going with the security blanket and Hertz and or Ertz, I should say, and uh, Murray. And Murray's not running, and it's really disappointing to see that here. So another bad game from Kyler Murray. Again, they got to get him loose here. They keep losing because they're not expanding everything they need to in this offense. They're trying to do what they've done before all season long, but you can't do that. When you don't have Connor, when you don't have Hopkins, you've got to use your number one asset, Murray. We've been screaming about this in fantasy football for a while. Hopefully Cliff Kingsbury will look at this a little bit down the stretch with the NFC West now to reach. They're actually one game behind the Rams now. So the Cardinals have their work cut out to finish higher than a number five seed and they go on the road in the playoffs here to start it here. So, But Edmonds, a good takeaway there, should uh, Connor miss more time here. And uh, he's the only reliable, fully reliable guy. You can look at Ertz as well as a back-end tight end one. But Murray right now not playing like the QB1 he should be. We go to the Lions-Falcons game. The 20-16 to was this final. The Lions, uh, Amon Ross St. Brown, he's quarterback-proof, folks. Uh, they had Tim Boyle start with Jared Goff on the COVID-19 list. Amon Rahad, another big game, another touchdown here. So three straight massive games for the rookie from USC. He looks legit. Looks like he's going to be here to stay no matter what they do going forward in this Lions passing game. Uh, Josh Reynolds, very limited action. The other thing we saw here was Jamal Williams returned from the COVID-19 list. They thought DeAndre Swift might be able to go with the shoulder, but not quite ready. He got limited practices all week. They gave 
the bulk of rushing carries to Williams, but they kind of treated Craig Reynolds as Swift, getting him some involved touches in the running game, getting involved in the passing game. So he didn't really have zero value here, but I was surprised a little bit that they went so full board with Williams, but they're kind of an old school team like that going to who they trust most. So we'll see if Swift can return here, but it's really hard uh, now that Williams is there sharing with Reynolds and uh, even without Jamar Jefferson, it, it makes it pretty bad here to get consistent value that you were looking for. We need Swift back in this offense, but Amon R.I. St. Brown, a lot of factors have uh, come into play, but the biggest is losing TJ Hawkinson. They also lost Shane Zilstra, their backup tight end. So, a lot of targets are going to get St. Brown. He's a young special receiver, and he's shown that here. Another rookie went off, and here's a rookie to stay for sure for the Falcons. Now, there's been a lot of complaining about Kyle Pitts' this season. Where are the big plays? Where are the touchdowns? I think given the fact that rookie tight ends struggle to score and be productive, remember Kyle Pitts made the Pro Bowl, and he's way up in receiving. He gets a 100-yard game here. I think we just discount that. I think what we want from our tight ends – is a lot of touchdowns, and if we're not getting those, we get a little frustrated and disappointed. But I think those would be happening if Calvin Ridley was in there. That was not Pitts's fault and no one's fault there at all. I mean, Ridley was taking care of himself, and uh, we, you have to respect that. And Pitts still coming through. I mean, he's had all the tough coverage without Ridley. So that was not maybe the expectation. They couldn't scheme him up open as a tight end, but they also uh, started using Russell Gage and got some attention on the outside. So that helped Pitts work the inside. So good scheming by Arthur Smith. Look, got to trust a guy that knows how to use tight ends in Arthur Smith. Pitts is a talent. Talent is the number one thing in fantasy football. It's going to rise. And we've seen it here with St. Brown and Pitts here, a lot bigger than uh, you would expect here as a rookie. So applaud them. Applaud them some good fantasy football assets. Good rebound game as well for Cordero Patterson. He finds the end zone here, but still not an explosive offense for the Falcons, but at least you know where they're kind of going with the ball as much as possible. All right. Uh, the final game we'll talk about in this segment it also involves uh, a team from the NFC South. Makes up two teams from the NFC South, the Bucks and Panthers. Tampa Bay, uh, we knew it would be a bit of a pivot. Mike Evans ruled out with a hamstring here. Brashad Perryman was on the COVID-19 list. You had uh, their next best receivers, Tyler Johnson, after Antonio Brown with Chris Godwin down for the season. So Tom Brady did target Antonio Brown a lot. So strong return from Brown. He didn't uh, score, but uh, definitely involved a lot. What really hurt here, the Bucks' passing game production, was also – the fact that Tom Brady kind of a just was relying on the running game. He had a long touchdown run from Keyshawn Vaughn. He had a long pass there by Tom Brady, but was finished off by Ronald Jones in the red zone. So that happens sometimes with Brady. You don't get the touchdown passes because they're running it in or those situations call for it. And uh, they had some opportunities with Rob Gronkowski. Cameron Brate did score here, but they just don't have a lot of guys that they're going to finish drives with. So, that's what happened differently without Evans and Godwin. Brady had to go a little bit more. Brown is not necessarily the same kind of finisher unless he's making a big play. So he had the pivot there. But Ronald Jones comes through, took some volume. I wouldn't trust Keyshawn Vaughn. It was all dependent on that long, beautiful run he made where the Panthers totally lost him. But Vaughn is a name to watch next year. Fournette getting a little bit older here for sure. Jones uh, is a guy that uh, they could say goodbye to. So, but for now, Jones produced the way we want. The Bucks running game responded the way we expected against the wilting, wilting Panthers here on the road. Now, what can I say about the Panthers? I mean, geez, it was pretty bad. They could not cover Antonio Brown. 
They couldn't uh, stop the Vaughn or Jones when they needed to in the running game. That's a sign of a team just kind of discombobulated and just at, at the end of its rope here. So, And what do we get here to complicate things more? They decided to put in Sam Darnold in the middle of the game with Cam Newton. So we went away from the P.J. Walker-Cam Newton situation to the Sam Darnold-Cam Newton situation. Why are the Panthers the only team in the league doing this? Because they have no idea what they're doing offensively. And why do they say goodbye to Joe Brady? This is just awful here. So just not a lot here from this team. It's just pretty bad to see here that wasting D.J. Moore and Robbie Anderson at this point. Chuba Hubbard doesn't really have enough value here behind uh, Christian McCaffrey when he should have. It seems like everything has gone backward with his team with the production. Uh, Darnold had a few moments early in the season. Newton tried to keep it together. Walker really dragged everyone down. So really, let's blow up the Panthers here. DJ Moore did play through his hamstring, so keep that in mind. But when you have limitations in the passing game and your quarterbacks, you're going to have disappointment in the Panthers. Need to get a lot of things right here to trust them in fantasy football, starting with McCaffrey getting healthy again and maybe staying healthy for a change in 2022. All right, we will get into 10 more games here and the reactions you need to know for fantasy football from the Saturday and Sunday games of week 16. This holiday season, grab the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, even better than a candy bar. It's built bar filled with so much holiday goodness, rich with decadent flavor, covered in chocolate, but amazingly low in calories, sugar, neck carbs, and fat, not in protein. It is Built Bar, the best of both worlds, delicious and healthy. So many flavors that they have at Built Bar. You'll have a hard time choosing. We have raspberry mint brownie, cherry double chocolate, cookies and cream, or peanut butter brownie. Built Bar is going to give you the extra fuel if you're looking to survive the post-Christmas holiday shopping sales there. you got to check it out. Uh, this is the time where you can get some great deals, but you need to get on the great deal of Built Bar so you've got that power with the protein bar that tastes like a dessert to push you through at the most wonderful time of the year. It's a season of peace and love. So don't bring up your favorite Bilt Bar flavor at family parties. People are so passionate about their favorite flavor. They'll fight for it. Things can get out of hand. So make a resolution to get healthier. And part of that here in the new year is going to be eat some more Bilt Bars. And go to Bilt.com, use the promo code LOCK15 and get 15% off your order. Again, you'll make it a delicious and healthy new year with Bilt Bar. All you have to do is go to Bilt.com, use the promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. All right, we will continue here breaking down the games, our reactions to what happened in Week 16, the Sunday games. Thanks for making Lockdown Fantasy Football your first listen every day. Make sure to check out the Ultimate College Football Playoff Preview 2021. Local experts, betting advice, and draft analysis. The most comprehensive college football playoff preview begins this Friday only on the Locked On Network. All right, let's continue here. Ravens-Bengals. Let's start with the Ravens really quick. So we knew Lamar Jackson was not going to play the ankle injury on Friday, but then we learned that Tyler Huntley was on the COVID-19 list. So what do they do? They bring up Josh Johnson. So Josh Johnson, if you recall, had to relieve for the Jets against the Colts in that Thursday night game when Mike White got hurt. Well, he's already in another team, and he played for the Ravens, and he played okay early in the game, and he was pretty decent here. As uh, there was some garbage time available, they did – try to stay with the Bengals early, but it got out of hand. Now, what we learned here is that it's pretty much been the Mark Andrews show offensively in the passing game. I mean, you had Rashad Bateman return to relevance here with a touchdown, but Marquise Brown, those downfield connections just aren't happening. Part of it is the fact that the offensive line is really breaking down here. Alejandro Villanueva just not been good all year on the left side. Patrick McCarry has been banged up. They also were without Ben Powers. 
So really the offensive line, whether it's run blocking or traditional pass protection, is really falling apart for the Ravens. So who's the guy that can get open fast and scheme and also stretch the field, make things happen after the catch? It is Mark Andrews. You don't have to wait for things to develop the way you would with Holiday Brown, Hollywood Brown. So you saw Hunt, Tyler Huntley in the great connection with Andrews. Well, Josh Johnson had it as well. They just keep feeding him the ball. He finally gets a touchdown, goes over 100 yards. So big, massive season for Andrews. And look, as much as we love Travis Kelsey and George Kittle, Mark Andrews, for his value, where you got him, he was fantastic this season and continues to do so. You'll have another shot next week against the Rams. So love up. Andrews, and he's really the Ravens' entire offense at this point. Devonta Freeman did score, but not much garbage to go with that in this game. Now on the Cincinnati side of things, that Joe Burrow, he just looked at this Ravens blitzing defense and a really depleted secondary. They also lost Anthony Averett in this game. It was a pass city here for Joe Burrow. I mean, no one could cover Jamar Chase. He goes over 100 yards. Teagans nearly gets to 200 yards. He gets the two touchdowns in this game. Tyler Boyd scores on a long touchdown on the slot. And you have Joe Mixon score as well in the passing game. So it was an amazing game for Joe Burrow. 525 yards. Got Higgins in the end zone twice. He had Uzama and Mixon and all these guys just getting involved a lot in the passing game for them. So they just said Joe Burrow let it loose, and they let him throw all the way through the end of the game in the 41-21 final. So, again, relentless play by Joe Burrow, but excellent play. It was the right play in this matchup. The Mixon also scores on the ground early as well. So two scores for him. Everything that you want in the Bengals offense that you trust goes off big time. And a great game for Joe Burrow. And uh, really nice to see how all three receivers are producing in the same game like they're capable of. Look, you knew Chase was going to cool off at some point with more attention going to him. That was going to help Higgins. And in certain matchups, it was going to help Boyd. And the Ravens got so depleted that they were pretty bad in the slot. So nice game all around. And again, the Bengals are not going to let that stop here. They're playing the Chiefs here. Big game at home in week 17. You figure a lot of volume for Burrow and a lot of a good matchups for those principal receivers and Mixon in that game. All right, the next game we'll go to the Chargers-Texans. What a shocker here. The Texans win, and they were in control for most of this game. Now, Justin Herbert really struggled here, couldn't get going running. A couple of things happened here. Jalen Guyton and Mike Williams were on the COVID-19 list. And why are these guys detrimental, not being available for Herbert? Because he's a downfield passer. He's Likes Keenan Allen is going to throw underneath, but he wants guys to stretch the field and he's going to throw deep. He's an aggressive player. So you took those two guys out. You did get their replacement, Josh Palmer. He did score late. If you played Palmer there, knowing that he was going to see a role here without Williams and Guyton, you got some results there. So not bad, but Keenan Allen was really shut down in this game. Shouldn't have happened. The Texans defense was depleted by COVID-19. They just overachieved. You had guys like Jonathan Owens and notably, the boyfriend of Simone Biles, he gets an interception here early. He gets a forced fumble there as well. So really, Justin Herbert, really a big letdown game this game. Uh, drags down Allen, drags down Jared Cook. No Williams and Guyton. Should have adjusted their offense quite a bit. The one thing they did adjust to, the other Justin went off in this game. We didn't have Austin Eckler in the game, but Justin Jackson did his part to try to help the Chargers win. He did lose that fumble to Owens, but... You look at it, he dominated the running game. He dominated as the leading receiver. So it was check down city here. We didn't expect the game script to be so negative, but we'll take it. If we played Jackson looking for a plug and play, he exceeded all expectations with his volume. 
couple scores and work in the passing game. So massive game for Jackson here. Really the only Chargers person that came through. And if you play their defense, man, it was awful. I mean, they just didn't stop anything. Joey Bosa didn't play, but they have other players, and they just let Davis Mills and Rex Burkhead do whatever they wanted against them. It was pretty bad. They could not stop Rex Burkhead. We know the Chargers have been pretty bad against the run all year, but we also know Houston has not been able to run effectively no matter who they've had here in the lineup, whether it's been Mark Ingram or Philip Lindsay. David Johnson, who did not play, so that helped Burkhead get most of the volume in this game, and he did not disappoint. Goes over 140 yards rushing, the first 100-yard rushing game for the Texans this season from any individual. He also takes the Texans' lead in rushing yards for the season. So big game for Burkhead here out of nowhere gets involved, gets the touchdowns as well. So, look, sometimes by default, matchup based. This is why you always have to look at the running game matchups because they do not let you down. This time of year, if you know a team is bad against the run, they're and they've tried to fix it and they're not there yet, the Chargers are always going to be bad against the run. The Texans were bad against the run. So, if you look at if you can isolate one player and you can try to trust who's getting touches, and with Jackson, we certainly can do that. And Burkhead, maybe the signs were there, especially with Johnson not playing, that he would be the guy here over Royce Freeman in this game. So I think that was our trepidation, and it came out of nowhere. But if you played Burkhead out of desperation as an RB2 or flex because of the COVID-19 outbreaks, maybe you played Jackson or Burkhead because you didn't, you didn't have Austin Eckler, you were really rewarded. So, again, always look at backs that could get volumes and great matchups. And that's what you saw here, Jackson and Burkhead. doesn't matter if they're backups. It's all about the offensive line and systems and all that. And some plug-and-play guys can do that if they're decent. And both these guys we know are pretty decent backups. All right, let's go to the Rams-Vikings game here. And uh, speaking of backups, Sonny Michelle was a pretty fine backup. But guess what's happened to Sonny Michelle? He's the starter. So you've been waiting all season long. You figured there would be some injury attrition with Daryl Henderson. It took so long. It took until the final few weeks of the season. But – Daryl Henderson missed a game, had the COVID-19 list. What do you see? Sonny Michelle running hard, chunk runs. He was outstanding. Now, he doesn't get anything for you in the passing game, so you really need to trust in the rushing attack. If the Rams can run downhill and be successful, then Michelle's going to have a big game. He did. He had 125 yards rushing, gets a touchdown. So nice, solid game for Sonny Michelle, taking over from Daryl Henderson. Henderson, by the way, did play in this game, but he got hurt. He sprained his knee here as soon as he got in with limited touches. I've always liked that about Sonny Michelle. He's had some durability issues in his past, but he's a no-nonsense power runner. That's what the Rams like about him. I think it's helped settle down the rest of their offense. So keep in mind, Matthew Stafford was really terrible this game for much of it. Three interceptions. I mean, he kept the Vikings hanging around in this game when the Rams probably should have run them out of the building in this one. But a lot of mistakes there. They still went 30-20. to 20. That tells you how much – potency the Rams had here moving the ball so he had another big game for Cooper Cup unfortunately he doesn't get in the end zone Van Jefferson very quiet with only one catch for six yards Odell Beckham Jr. scores again here for the Rams on a short one so he's been pretty good as a wide receiver three Jefferson a little bit harder to trust as the young receiver there Cup comes through again big time receptions uh, no score but again look you take what you get from Cooper Cup every week he's been outstanding one of the greatest seasons here in fantasy football history at wide receiver so Again, big game for him, again, even without that score. And Stafford, again, really underwhelming with the one score there as the Rams kick a lot of field goals in this one. They also had a special teams touchdown. So if you started their defense, you were pleased there as well. So that's where their def- their touchdowns came. One to Beckham, one from Michelle on the ground, one on special teams. A lot 
rest of it was Matt Gay field goals. And Matt Gay has been money as a kicker here in fantasy football. So if you started him, you were very pleased with that as well. Defense, everything, the principles, the Rams worked except for Stafford, who, again, those three interceptions wiped out that touchdown in a lot of leagues. And that was disappointing in this critical matchup where it was pretty beautiful against the Vikings. Now, we thought Kirk Cousins could struggle here. He did get one touchdown pass there to uh, one K.J. Osborne there. But look, we knew the Rams defense was tough. It was going to be limitations there. You're happy that Justin Jefferson, even though seeing a lot of Jalen Ramsey, was able to come through here. Adam Thielen tried to play, but he aggravated the ankle injury. He was in pain on the ground. He was able to come back in, but K.J. Osborne was still operating there a lot as the number two. So we saw that. Alexander Madison was a little bit disappointing. He did uh, run pretty well, but the volume just wasn't there. The game script got out of hand. They don't really check down to their backs as much as they used to anymore with Cook. Madison, part of it is uh, having a guy like Osborne a little bit downfield and Tyler Conklin at tight end. So a little bit more diversification and Justin Jefferson dominating. So another big year for Justin Jefferson. The two best seasons yardage-wise back-to-back to start a career ever. So great year again for Justin Jefferson. And Look, we knew the separation was going to happen from Adam Thielen. Thielen was getting involved a lot early with the touchdowns, but Jefferson, the changing of the guard has been there. He's been better than Stephon Diggs was as a young receiver, so he's going to take over as a dominant number one, and he's going to be right up there as a top three, top five pick at wide receiver going forward right there with Cooper Cup. Cup, I'd be wary. He's getting a little older and has a knee injury next year, but Jefferson is going to keep having massive upside no matter who the quarterback is there in Minnesota. Figures to be cousins for one more year. Bills-Patriots game. Josh Allen took over this game. Now, an interesting development here for the Buffalo passing game. Cole Beasley and Gabriel Davis were ruled out of this game for the COVID-19 list. Emmanuel Sanders just returning from his knee injury. So who's going to be the beneficiary there opposite Stefan Diggs who had another nice game against the Patriots? Isaiah McKenzie. They love themselves some Isaiah McKenzie as a playmaker. They don't use him much when everyone else is healthy, but they love the wrinkle of McKenzie, and he dominated this game here, and the Patriots could not stop him. I think this is a bit of a wild card that caught the Patriots by surprise. How do you beat the Patriots? You're multiple and versatile, and McKenzie is their type of player that he only plays for the Bills. So great job by Allen to get the ball to him, taking over the running game. You also had Devin Singletary, another decent game from scrimmage, gets a touchdown. Otherwise, it was a ho-hum game for Singletary, but Allen just looked locked in with McKenzie and Diggs here. So back on track is Allen. Back on track is this offense. I think that Patriots game, the first game, was very helpful because it allowed the Bills to say, look, we got to run Allen more. We got to streamline to one back. We got to get it to our principal receivers here. And it made a lot of sense to trust McKenzie as that versatile player here versus Sanders with no Beasley and Davis here for the Bills. Dawson Knox had his opportunities as well, but Patriots pretty good against a tight end. So McKenzie cutting into Knox for sure didn't help his production. Now from the Patriots side of things, it was the Damian Harris show. Ramondre Stevenson missed the game with COVID-19. So it was back to Damian Harris, back from the hamstring. Three touchdowns for him. He looked outstanding. So people always want to say Ramondre Stevenson, oh, he's a talented dynamic back. That might be right. But Harris, when he's on, he looks special. And that's what we saw again in this game here. We saw in the first Bills game. So he owned the Bills in two matchups here this season. So Bill's run defense still very suspect, and uh, Damian Harris might be the best way to move the ball. We didn't see a lot of Hunter Henry in this game until late. We knew the receiving core was a mess without Nelson Aguilar, so nothing to see there with Jacoby Myers. And 
Kendrick Bourne. So, again, it's all been about Harris a little bit more as much as possible with the Patriots. And uh, Mac Jones, the rookie cool-off, rookie wall, has happened here for their passing game. The final game we'll break down in this segment, Jaguars-Jets. Uh, the Jaguars uh, lose this one, 26-21. They had their opportunities here. The big story for the Jaguars, James Robinson. Poor guy, man. Rough season here. It looked great for him uh, there with uh, Travis Etienne not involved, but we'll see what happens next year. But he tears his Achilles here in pain. He gave everything he had to this team here. Undrafted rookie last year was up working on another big year. We thought he was going to have a big game, but he goes down in this great matchup, and maybe the Jaguars win the game if Robinson was around. They turned to Dare Ogunbowale. He had a pretty good game here, scoring a touchdown, getting involved in scrimmage there to help Trevor Lawrence. So, yeah, tough to see Ogunbowale come in there and get a lot of Robinson's production here. Just them breaks. I mean, 10 rushing yards before he left, so not much fantasy impact there even before he went down. So that can happen in the playoffs, and uh, just one of those things, and we just uh, accept it in fantasy football and that's what happens here and unfortunately robinson may not be the same type of a running back in this offense again as uh, someone will probably use etienne more in a regular role next year in 2022 with an improved offensive line here being the priority now trevor lawrence he had a weird game here uh, just not a lot to see somehow it's just been very difficult for the jaguars to get anything done in the passing game but he does uh diversify the passing game once again we thought james o'shaughnessy was going to come through and maybe we probably joked too much about him because the joke was on us here guess who they involved with marvin jones jr there as a key receiver in laquan treadwell tamon austin of course you're going to use tamon austin out of nowhere that's what the jaguars have done get daryl bevel out of here i mean look he's done as good of a job as possible but the conservative play calling just really bad here overall for the jaguars they need to open things up Use your stallion in the backfield, throwing the ball. Let's use Trevor Lawrence to the best of his abilities because this is not cutting it here. And uh, LaVisca Cheneau Jr. didn't play either, so that probably helped Austin, the similar type, hybrid type players. So there's there, but impossible to trust a player like that playing off Jones and what you got from Treadwell, but still not a lot to see there. So let's blow this Jaguars offense up. It's just not had anything we rely upon. We saw that as soon as Robinson went down this game. Now the Jets, what a big game for Zach Wilson. He runs in a touchdown. He looks pretty good and confident in this one. So big rushing game. And I think they haven't done that enough with Lawrence. They did that finally with Wilson here. Just let him loose. This guy is a great athlete. Just use the, all the weapons of the toolbox, especially when he's struggling. So, Michael Carter, the other rookie, comes back here and has a big game. Goes over 100 yards rushing here. Didn't get a touchdown, but, man, it was uh, good to see Carter looking good here. So Carter's going to have a nice role going forward. He's going to be an RB2 with RB1 upside next year if he gets this kind of volume. We weren't sure about the Tevin Coleman situation, but we knew the matchup was great. One week removed from returning from that ankle injury, he looked fantastic. So, again, we'll see what he can do next week. But, yeah, it's uh, good to see here that – Carter is getting the key touches, and they didn't go back to Tevin Coleman. Now, we also knew the receiving quarter would be a mess without Jamison Crowder. Add him to the list, already missing Elijah Moore and Corey Davis. They put him in there. He did score, but he scores on a kickoff return. So the Jets' defense comes through that way. We said they were cheap value, but they score on a kickoff from 
Barrios, he doesn't do much in the passing game, although he does lead them in receiving. So <laughs> overall, when you put the game together in PPR, when you have the five catches, 40-something yards, and the score, it's not bad here if you plugged and played him instead of Jamison Crowder in the slot, knowing that uh, there was an affinity from him with Wilson. But Carter, good to see him get on track here and really bummer on the other side with Robinson. All right, five more games to talk about on the show. We'll get to them here in our final segment. Bet online as you cover this holiday season. More props, odds, and lines than ever before. The college football continues March to the college bowl season and the pro football playoffs. Bet online remains your number one spot for all the sports action of the season. Head to the website or use a mobile device sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code Locked On to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, UFC, right down to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports, so don't wait to take advantage of all the new amazing offers available. Bet online, it's where the game starts. All right, uh, time to close the show. Looking at our final five games all the way through Sunday night football, that debacle, at least for one side, it was a route for the other side, Cowboys over Washington football team. Let's first start with another NFC East matchup, Giants and Eagles. Giants, man, it's just hard to talk about the Giants at this point, but it was pretty bad. I mean, they've started Jake Fromm, but Michael Lennon had to come in anyway with the uh, one uh, Daniel Jones now out for the season, shut down with the neck injury. Nothing to see in the running game, nothing to see in the passing game. I'm not sure what the Giants were doing. They had Graham Gano in the kicking game. I guess that was there for some degree, but Giants just a shell of a team at this point, and uh, the Eagles took full advantage of that. Not really much more to talk about with the Giants offensively or defensively. Now, the Eagles developing situation. So we talked about this going into the game. Miles Sanders, he was good to go with his quad injury. You had Jordan Howard. He's good to go with his knee injury. So both of these guys were not on a designation. What happens in this game? Well, another injury, a new injury for Miles Sanders. So remember he had the ankle. He traded for a quad. Now he has a fractured hand. So uh, Miles Sanders just can't stay healthy and do what he needs to do, even in great matchups where the Eagles are going wild. He's coming off that big game against Washington. So really disappointing there to see him get injured again. Jordan Howard also exits the game with the stinger. So who becomes the top fantasy football asset in the backfield again? Boston Scott. So just when you think you have the Eagles backfield figured out, something a twist and turn happens with the durability. So Miles Sanders, I'm not sure if they can move on with him really as the feature guy. He's just unreliable to stay healthy. So I would imagine Kenneth Gainwell gets more opportunities in 2022. For the end of that this year, I think you'll see a lot of Boston Scott there if Howard has to miss time. Otherwise, it's going to be Scott Howard early down split with a bit of Gainwell. So very complicated for the Eagles, but uh, the running game was one thing, but I liked the fact that Jalen Hurts got it done through the air in this one. I mean, he looked pretty good. I mean, he's feeling more comfortable throwing downfield. Devonta Smith, been waiting for a game like this for a while. It's just been so up and down, but the rookie, good connection with Jalen Hurts, gets a touchdown, nice 80-yard game in this one. So Devonta Smith, maybe they're on to something with the Eagles passing game. The Eagles, by the way, in playoff position, so a lot to play for, trying to figure out their offense. So as much as we've criticized Nick Sirianni, he's done a really good job to put them in playoff position as they've figured out their identity a little bit here with Hurts, and Hurts had some lumps and struggles there, but I think they figured it out a little bit offensively for Philadelphia. Sirianni is an offensive-minded head coach. Bears-Seahawks. The Bears upset the Seahawks with a Two-point conversion late by Nick Foles, who had to start for an injured Justin Fields, an injured Andy Dalton. He goes in there, and uh, unfortunately, Jimmy Graham gets the tight end touchdown, but I figured there was a little bit of a chemistry between 
Foles and Cole Komet in this game. There's a decent connection between the two. Not a lot between him and the Darnell Mooney. Part of the reason is the weather was pretty awful and the Bears were trying to grind the game away. So a lot of David Montgomery here running and also catching the ball here for Nick Foles. So they grind away, keep grinding, and they finally win there at the last second drives. The Seahawks could not put them away, and that was a big problem. But Montgomery's the only thing to see here. I think Mooney can rebound here. But, again, Montgomery and uh, then seeing Komet lose a touchdown to Graham was a bit tough there. So, again, he's been the only guy, RB2 status once again down the stretch. Not smashing it the way he did at the end of last season, but Montgomery's still looking pretty good here as an RB2. And, again, the offense should uh, kind of rotate around him next year when presumably Matt Nagy gets replaced by another offensive coaching staff. Now, the Seahawks side of things, Rashad Penny bounced back. He didn't really deliver that much against the Rams in a tough matchup, but this was a great matchup. The game script was positive. Penny looked really good. He felt like he was being shot out of a cannon. This is why they drafted him in the first round. He has burst explosiveness there. I think they're trying to prove again that Penny was a justifiable pick, and he has a chance here. If he stays healthy, this is what he's shown. I mean, he's an explosive runner. He's a good finisher. He's a tough, big runner as well. So, again, good matchup. Comes through rebounds big time here to deliver for the Seahawks backfield. And DK Metcalf finally found the end zone. It had been a long time, but everything else in the passing game was a little bit limited. Gerald Everett pops up and scores a touchdown in this matchup against the Bears. So not much there for Tyler Lockett, maybe coming back from the COVID-19. But Metcalf, you knew the matchup was good, especially with Jalen Johnson on the COVID-19 list. So he gets his scoring done early. Not much else in the rest of the game. But, again, the conditions call for running, running, running. So the Montgomery versus Penny game. Fortunately, the Seahawks did not support they're early scoring enough to put away the Bears and lose the game, and they're eliminated right along with the Bears from playoff contention. Steelers and Chiefs. So let's start with the Steelers. Oh, gosh. It was pretty bad here for the Steelers. Deontay Johnson did come through with a late garbage touchdown. That was right, and Najee Harris did grind through to get to triple digits and yards from scrimmage, but it was not easy. wasn't spectacular. wasn't anything to see here. So really, you look at the Steelers. They struggled badly against the Titans the week before. Another bad week this week. They need to get a quarterback that was a stronger arm to get Chase Claypool involved better. You didn't have Pat Freermuth, which also hurt Ben Roethlisberger, so pretty bad overall here for the Steelers offense, but again, Johnson salvages they with late score, and Harris for just enough yards here, as the Chiefs were so much in control that the Steelers could have some garbage time. Now, the Chiefs didn't have Travis Kelsey. Tyreek Hill was cleared to go from COVID-19, but you wouldn't know it because Tyreek Hill really did very little in this game, so what we're learning from the COVID-19 situation is that a lot of coaches are into practicing all week before really trusting to play. And it's a recovery here. So if Hill wasn't at 100% or had to miss some time, they were going to trust him as much. And we knew that there was a good committee there if they wanted to go Blake Bell and Noah Gray at tight end. But the guy that they pivoted to with all the situations, Byron Pringle, it was hard to know it was going to go that way here with the other guys, especially Miko Hardman, who also had a good play here in this game. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in the running game, they went in that direction for sure. Edwards-Hilaire scores, but unfortunately hurts his collarbone and has to exit. So hurts what could have been a big game for him. They didn't really run as much as he thought with Daryl Williams once he was out. Yeah, but Williams a decent game, but uh, yeah. So we'll watch uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire or Daryl Williams will have another big role here going forward in the final two weeks for the Chiefs. But Byron Pringle at wide receiver, kind of their best kind of short to intermediate guy, not like Hardman, he stepped up in the absence of Kelsey here for sure. So we talked about it with Isaiah McKenzie. We talked about it with Byron Pringle. It's hard. It's not like playing NBA or 
MLB and knowing, okay, this guy's going to be in the lineup and is going to produce right here. It's anticipating where they might pivot because it might be in a different spot or a different style of player here. And with McKenzie, made sense. He kind of was the hybrid of what Davis and Beasley did. And Pringle kind of does a little bit of Kelsey that work as well as uh, doing a little bit of what Hill does. So that's what happens. And it's hard to, again, predict and project. We already know it's pretty hard when you think you know something's going to happen. So pretty deep here, cut in fantasy, but it's worth taking some chances if you've got a low upside guy. It's my point that you can find these other high upside guys as plug and plays depending on the matchup. Now for the Broncos and Raiders, we thought Drew Locke was going to help the downfield passing game. Drew Locke didn't help anything in the passing game. He even dragged down the running game. He was just terrible in this game. Under pressure all the time. You get a short touchdown from Javonta Williams, but that was uh, set up by a turnover, by the way. So Bradley Chubb had a takeaway and set up a goal line chance and Williams cashing in but awful game for him and Melvin Gordon didn't have anything going offensively here with Drew Locke so this is why they were starting Teddy Bridgewater we wondered they wanted the safe short to intermediate guy that was not going to make mistakes it really limited the passing game but it's not like Drew Locke opened up the passing game either here so Drew Locke is just terrible and that's what we saw and at least they're running the ball and this is a great matchup for running the ball it's a great matchup for Noah Fant of the tight ends but you wouldn't know it because Drew Locke was a quarterback. So get Drew Locke out of there. Let's figure out this quarterback situation. I don't think it's going to be Aaron Rodgers, but someone's got to be better than Bridgewater and Locke and try to facilitate these wide receivers who are talented, by the way. Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, Tim Patrick, Fant. These guys should be producing more, but it's not happening here with Locke or Bridgewater. And this could be the failing of Vic Fangio and this leadership group at this point. George Patton has to move on and find a quarterback there in 2022. Now the Raiders... Great game for Josh Jacobs, his first 100-yard rushing performance of the season, which is shocking, but that also says the Raiders don't know exactly what their identity is, even though they say they're a running team or a downfield passing team. That's what has been the biggest struggle. You just don't know what you're going to get from week to week. In a tough matchup, Jacobs really grinded away. He did nothing before halftime, but really took over the game in the second half. Unfortunately, they decided, uh, even though Jacobs was power running at a high level, to put Peyton Barber in and score in the goal line's work. So, Really tough for him, and you had Jalen Richard get a few key touches to take away from Jacobs as well, but it's hard. When he's not getting involved in the passing game and not getting touchdowns, it's kind of those empty calories, right? It's 120 rushing yards, but you want a little bit more than that to really feel better of him as an RB1 type player, but with volume, but he settles for more RB2-like production in this game. Again, good game by Foster Moreau, leading them in receiving, makes the long catch late in the game to put away the Broncos. Hunter Renfro, not a lot of volume there against Bryce Callahan, but he does come through with a touchdown here in a very low-scoring game, under 20 points for both teams. So we know that sometimes these division games turn into absolute stinkers of scoring, and this is exactly what happened with Denver and the Raiders, two inept offenses uh, kind of uh, doing the Spider-Man meme against each other with two overachieving defenses. Cowboys, Washington football team here. Dak Prescott, what a game for him. 56 points put up by the Cowboys. I don't know what was more impressive. Dak Prescott ripping them to shreds here. So it was a big touchdown game for all the principals here. Amari Cooper, Ezekiel Elliott, Dalton Schultz. They all scored here. And you also had an offensive line touchdown in this game. Yep, we made an offensive line eligible there. So Dak gets Terrence Steele on a touchdown. So Weird stat, but he's the only player to have four touchdown passes to a running back, a wide receiver, a tight end, and an offensive lineman in the same 
performance. So what a game for Dak. Get well game. If you've been holding Dak and surviving in the playoffs, he came through for you at the most important time at home. Sundire offense explodes. Elliott gets two touchdowns. Not a lot of rushing there. The Cowboys still were all about passing, but they got so far ahead that they could just turn their, their backups there at the end. So 56 to 14 is the final. I mean, Dak with the four scores. Elliott gets one. Where did the other scores come from? Oh, yeah, it was the defense. <laughs> Demarcus Lawrence scores here on a big play against uh, Taylor Heineke. So pretty awful performance uh, by Heineke. The Cowboys defense relentless with Micah Parsons and Lawrence and having uh, Trevon Diggs make a big play again with the interception on the very first pass by Heineke. So you knew that it was not going to be very good for the Washington football team. And it was just awful here over around here for them but everything with the Cowboys I mean you could have asked for a little bit more from CeeDee Lamb who didn't score a touchdown or Michael Gallup but Dalton Schultz uh, Cooper Elliott those guys really came through nicely along with Prescott here and the defense that's the biggest revelation they've been a defense special team one all season with their big playability and you got to credit Dan Quinn for that and also just having Parsons and digs that one-two punch and making a lot of plays and their deep defensive line rotations. Just a great defense playing a pretty anemic offense that's hit a wall with Heineke at this point. At least Antonio Gibson played through his toe injury, number one. That was good. He got the early touchdown out of the way. That's good. Got involved in the passing game just enough. So decent game for Gibson, but we knew the game script was going to eventually have them pull him out here and not risk further injury. So you had uh, Jared Patterson kind of mop-up duty here. Not a lot to see there for the backup, even though this game got so out of hand, your unfortunately your garbage touchdown didn't go to any of the principals in this one. So Terry McLaurin didn't get involved until Kyle Allen took over the game. And I don't know what Heineke is doing. He's he's throwing deep to McLaurin. I get it. He's a deep guy that can win contested balls. And he did beat Trayvon Diggs for a big play late in the game that did not occur. That should could probably could have been a touchdown there. So it was a bit frustrating for Heineke, but you got to take the checkdowns. You got to take what's available, throw the ball in the middle of the field. That's where the Cowboys are a little bit vulnerable. We didn't really see any of that until Kyle Allen came in and threw. So we'll have to see if they go with Allen over Heineke. I could definitely see that. I mean, Allen just seemed to be a little bit together. I know it was a different type of the game, but the Cowboys still have their defensive uh, starters in there. So something to watch there. But McLaurin, he needs a better wide receiver or quarterback situation as well. I feel like he's one of those Broncos wide receivers where there's been some moments with Heineke and some really good matchups, but when the matchup is tough, they just don't simply scheme McLaurin open the way they should there in these games. So and he's been limited to being a wide receiver three because of the quarterback situation. Keep in mind, you also drafted McLaurin knowing that Ryan Fitzpatrick was going to be the starting quarterback. And I think that's been the biggest difference. Fitzpatrick takes care of the principles and will get the ball out to them quickly where I think Heineke is more a hero ball guy, always trying to make the big player crazy highlight sidearm type play, where just get the plays that are in front of you and move the ball in some games, and that would have been helpful here, especially with your offensive line depleted. All right, so there's our takeaways there, all our reaction to what we saw. Good, bad, ugly, surprising, disappointing. It was one of those weeks, folks, and uh, we wish it didn't come in the fantasy football playoffs when things are unpredictable, but that's why we're here because we want to break things down. That's what makes fantasy football so fun. Expect the unexpected and have a lot of fun with that. Thanks for making Locked On Fantasy Football your first listen every day. This has been a Roundup Monday. Don't forget, we will turn to Pick Up Tuesday tomorrow where we focus on the waiver wire. There are uh, guys that can help you there in week 17. Now, plug and plays, a lot of them happen with COVID-19 injuries, so we'll be watching that. 
Now make your second listen Locked On Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all gambling needs. Locked On Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all platforms. Good luck if you need something tonight in the Dolphins-Saints game, and uh, hopefully they'll come through. Whether you need scoring or your opponent doesn't need to score, one of those things hopefully will happen for you, and you'll go into the Fantasy Football Championship week in most leagues. And we'll hear to break it down for you in matchup Wednesday, matchup Thursday. For Roundup Monday, this has been Vinny Iyer. Have a great day. Good luck, and we'll see you tomorrow on the other side of Week 16.